speaking of relationships, of all, all ways, shapes, and forms, um, I was out on a very, very hot date last night with a girl from HR, Dwight. <laughs> really? We don't have any girls from HR. No, that, for the sake of the story. And things were getting hot and heavy. Yeah. And uh, I was about to take her bra off when yeah. she had me fill out six hours worth of paperwork. Like an AIDS test. And away. There it is. And okay. And a two. And a touch the mic. And a touch the microphone. Do be do be do 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 do. Keep it going. That's the new intro music. Yeah, that's the theme song for the first ever Guppies. It's it, we mentioned before. This is this is kind of Guppies Part Two because I guess our top ten uh, album releases of the year sort of counts as as part of this as well because it's all super meaningful, super incredible, super sought after awards. That's what we're doing here. Yes. Yeah. You are welcome, everyone. There is no bigger award to win. Then a guppy. Um, of course, the guppies being growing up punk's version of, uh, well, more specifically the Dundies, I suppose, from The Office than, you know, like the Grammys or the Emmys or something. But it is what it is. Speaking of growing up punk, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hey, what's up? Nice to see you. Oh, nice, nice to, to see, see myself as well. Yeah, we get to see, we can see ourselves. <laughs> Uh, the best part of the show is best getting to see yeah, myself. The best part of the show is just looking <laughs> at the, uh, the the monitor feed of myself. That's what the I better do version of me. I don't even watch you uh, at any point. When I'm looking at my screen like I am right now, I'm looking at myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... What the version of do? myself that has no mistakes. That's right. I've filtered <laughs> them all out. Um, what we're going to do on this episode, the final episode of... Uh, what has been a crazy, weird year, 2020. Uh, we listed our top 10 records last episode. If you haven't heard that, I'd recommend going back and listening to it. If you haven't heard that, I'm curious as to why you're listening to this episode. It's a random one, I guess, to start with. But hey, uh, we, we listed our top 10 records of the year last episode, so you can go check that out. Um, we, we had a couple that we both shared on our lists. The rest were all different. I think in total we had like maybe just three picks we had three picks i think that that crossed over but we won't give any of those away because if you haven't heard it well hey um but what we're going to do today is we're, we've got 17 different award categories awards i say air quotes uh for those of you on, on youtube you saw me do the air quotes <laughs> um but yeah what we're going to do it's we're basically just picking our favorites in a 17 different categories there's not a whole lot of thought put into this. It's really, here's the category, and this is one of the first things that came to mind type thing. Aaron said for one of the uh, categories coming up, he wasn't going to go through 30 different records to actually double-check and pick. He just went with what came to his mind first. And that's kind of the idea. That's how we do most of this stuff. Not a lot of research is actually put into many of these episodes. <laughs> Isn't that how they normally do awards? It's just kind of like, well, uh, what, what, what was the last movie I saw? Yeah, pick that one. You know what's funny? So I, <laughs> I have had the opportunity to vote on a couple different award shows, um, one of which back when I was in... So when I graduated high school, I took a year off, but then that like two years after high school, I went and did a one-year program that was for uh, production for music and commercial production stuff. So we were working in a studio, um, and this was in Calgary. And so the guy who owned the studio actually uh, voted on the Grammys. And so one year he was like, I really don't feel like doing this. So he just let a couple of us vote on the Grammys. And at the time, you literally got like a thick book that was sent to you and you went through and I think I want to say each award maybe there's two awards on each page either that or each award was on a page and so like you're getting into I mean when they televise the Grammys they're only televising certain awards right like they're yeah. not televising best polka album of the year but so we went through and he's like most of these I have no idea what they are which we didn't either so we just went through and literally voting on some of those things like best polka album for instance it was like which one was performed by the guy with the funniest name or the album with the funniest title yeah. or whatever that's literally <laughs> how we were picking some of these so um, award shows in general are kind of silly I suppose maybe like people's choice awards are a little different because you actually get listeners and, and fans and whatever right. vote on things but um, 
So yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's my little story about the one time I got to vote on the Grammys and uh, how, how, how much work and time and effort we put into it. <laughs> so well, and if you if you're comparing it a bit to The Office too, I can't imagine Michael Scott uh, sits there putting much uh, effort into, you know, <laughs> busiest beaver slash bushiest beaver, <laughs> and uh, I'm right. pretty sure he just thinks of <laughs> whatever person fits that thing and gives uh, them the awards. So. Man, got to go back and watch The Office again. It is for sure one of my top shows. Usually every every like Christmas season we go through and we watch all of the Christmas specials. We'll oh, do yeah. that with the OC as well. Is the other show where we'll go through and we'll watch all the Christmaca episodes. Um, it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, and this might be the last Christmas um, to Ever? watch The Office on Netflix at least because it's leaving at the end of December. Is it really? Yeah, because uh, NBC is starting their own streaming service, so all those shows are going to go to there now. See, and that's, I guess, what I used to own, I want to say, the first six seasons of The Office on yeah, DVD. I still have them on DVD. Yeah, uh, at one point I, I sold them because I wanted to buy some records, so I took them and, and, and chucked them. <laughs> I didn't chuck I'll, them. I'll send them. you a copy of mine. We, we'll, yeah. we'll take it back to old school Netflix. I'll mail them to you. You can mail them back. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll spend a fortune mailing DVDs back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that that reminds me. I did. Uh, I signed up for Zip.ca. It was like the Canadian version of Netflix up here before Netflix was oh, okay. just streaming, right? So I did. I was signed up for Zip.ca, and I, I sent a couple back and forth at some point in time. But no, I sold all of my DVDs of The Office because I wanted to buy records, and they, it's been on Netflix. So um, that's sad because at first I thought you were going to say, "Oh, it's moving over to you know like Amazon Prime or something like that." And I'm like, "Well, I've I've got that as well, so I'll still be fine." But life's about to get difficult, I think. <laughs> Another ten bucks a month for something you don't need. Yeah, well, totally, totally. But anyway, whatever. Let's get into our awards like i said we got 17 categories to get through so this will either take a long time or we'll fly through it we'll see and we did get some uh some submissions if we remember to get to them from uh some listeners and friends out there so uh we'll see uh if we if we remember that's the problem is remembering to actually get to them so why don't we get into the first award which is the one that started this whole idea for me as to like do this list best artwork so what album did you pick for the best artwork of 2020 and yeah, and I'll, I'll try and kind of add add some yeah different thoughts or anecdotes or whatever. Um, I mean, we've we've talked about artwork a lot on the show and just how much we love it. You know, you still buy vinyl, and I yeah. still like buying CDs because I still like having the artwork. And you know, to me, the art you it can kind of not necessarily make or break an album. I won't not listen to a band because the art is bad, but it's definitely like especially when I first got into music was a huge part of what drew me in. And so, uh, yeah, it's still something that's really important. And so I do love when bands um, put effort into it. And that's one thing I really do like about, you know, punk, hardcore, metal, that a lot of those bands still really value artwork, whereas, you know, a lot of bigger name artists, especially now with streaming and singles, it's just kind of like a picture of them or, you know, whatever. There's not, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of thought put into artwork for mainstream music. And so... So I do appreciate so that. You didn't but my choice, pick Justin Bieber or anything. I did. It's a it's a thirty seven <laughs> way tie. But yes. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I that. I went with uh, with maybe an obvious choice, but it's Brain Pain from Four Years Strong. Okay. It's yeah. just it's 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 a really cool really cool art. I I always love or I'm drawn towards images that have lots going on, like where there's a lot of different things. So whether it's album artwork or like tattoo related artwork. I just I like when there's kind of one main thing but a bunch of different kind of symbolism in it and and this has a whole bunch. I mean it's it's pretty weird but it, it fits yeah. it fits the title of the album and um I should have pulled it up here just so I could have talked about a few of the images, but I don't know. I just it's one of those pieces of art that you look at and it's like, okay, they definitely put time into this. Whoever created it, you know, had either a specific idea or a not so specific, and so that's why there's a bunch of things. But I don't know. It's just when I look at it, it's like there was thought behind this, yeah. and it matches what the music is. Yeah, it's I I enjoy it. Um, it's not the one that I picked, but it I definitely thought about it. And I will say one thing about it when I did, uh, cause I reviewed it, uh, when it came out and I 
so I did artwork for like the review or whatever. And uh, so the artwork I do for everything involves Photoshop and cutting things out. And so cutting out that artwork was a pain, was a, was a pain in the brain, was a, was a serious yeah. pain because <laughs> there's just like parts where it's like gets pretty intricate and detailed or whatever. I'm like, do I bother? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like it. I dig that artwork too. And it's kind of, kind of psychedelic, kind of weird. Um, yeah. It, def- it definitely stands out for sure. And it's a great, great record too. I think, uh, Yeah. Um, my artwork that I picked for best artwork was one that I was definitely familiar with this band before this album came out and I'd listened to them a bit. I'd never super gotten into them though. Um, but when I saw their name come up for an album, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to pre-add this or whatever. I'm going to want to check this out. But the artwork super sold me instantly and it came out earlier in the year. Uh, but that would be hot mulligan and you'll be fine. Uh, the artwork on this, I just think is so cool because I, we were talking about this as you, as you keep disappearing on on the video. Yeah, it's just doing, my battery again. Just ignore it, <laughs> <laughs> unless he dies. Um, but yeah, so the artwork for this is just kind of cool because it reminds me of, in a way, like a painting that you might see, kind of like in a you know a, a diner on the side of the highway type thing, where it's just this person sitting next to like a pond or a lake or whatever with their dog. But uh, yeah but he's missing his face. <laughs> so there's like, like his entire, I don't think he even has like hands or anything. It's just literally like, I want to say there's a hat glasses and then like a hoodie and they're just sitting there and there's, so there's nobody inside of it type thing. And it's just, I don't know. I think it looks really cool. And I know for a fact that I want to say, yeah, uh, we, one of the submissions we got uh, was on Instagram from X bada bing X. Uh, he said his favorite artwork of the year as well was hot mulligan. You'll be fine. So, um, oh, cool! Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a looker. So, and the album ended up being really good too. Because you mentioned like, I don't I don't think that artwork can make or break a record for me, but it can definitely pique my interest if I've never heard the band. Um, right? Yeah. And like I said, with Hot Mulligan, I'd heard them, so I knew what they sounded like. But it was you know it it definitely got me super interested right from the get-go can you think of though a record that you've bought in the past based off the artwork and it actually ended up not being good like that doesn't happen so much these days because of streaming but i can definitely think of a record in the past where i purchased it and i was like oh it's actually not that great when i got it home yeah oh man that would be i'd have to think and i mean yeah lots lots of the bands we like i mean we would still get it regardless of the art and most of it is good like it's it's not very often that I get a record that I love, and I'm like, oh, what is with this artwork? Right. Um, there would be a select few, but I, I can't think of any off, off the top of my head. Or there might just be some that are like, oh, it's interesting they went with that. It's doesn't When I look at it, it doesn't really do much. I could kind of go either way on it, adding or not. So I guess what I, it's nice when the artwork adds to it instead of just kind of being there because you kind of need to have it. Right. I'm trying to figure out what it was called. There was... Um... Actually... Yeah. I just thought of one. Um, yeah. I'll touch on it when I get to it because it it, it won in a different category. Right. Um, I'm just trying to see. Yeah, there was there was a record. I want to say it was from Piebald that uh, I bought based on the artwork, and I hadn't really heard them at the time. Uh, I'm just trying to. I can't remember the name of it, which is too bad. But it was like a. I think it was like a rarities. Uh, and you know, like B sides, right? Oh, is this it? Let's see. No, I don't think that's it. Um, anyways, it was a rarities and B sides record, and I liked the artwork, and then I bought it, and it just wasn't very good. It was, I mean, I didn't realize what it was. It was a lot of like demos and older stuff. And oh, okay, yeah. Like, ah, so I was a little bit disappointed, but um, yeah, uh, I could tell you a record this year that had. Not the greatest artwork that I still liked, though, and I'd never heard yeah. of the band, and I and I decided to check them out uh, despite the artwork. Uh, I'm just oh, I don't want to look in podcasts. I just want to make sure I get the name of the record right, so I'm I'm bringing it up, but my fat fingers are pressing all the wrong buttons on my phone. Uh, the band is or artist, I guess, is Souvenirs, and the record is called Love for the Lack of It, and it's just like the cover really reminds me of like something you would have seen in the 80s, early 90s. It's like a chain link fence, uh, and there's like blue skies in the background, and then just someone's hands kind of like grabbing it, 
And it's just, it's very oh, yeah. underwhelming, the artwork, but I put it on and it's actually kind of nice, like dream pop, 90s alternative sort of mm. thing. But anyway, let's move on to uh, the next of our series of awards. That would be the best album title. So what was your favorite album title of the year? Yeah, again, um, this is one that I just kind of went with, kind of what first popped into my mind. And so, which is actually one that just came out um friday so when you're listening to this november 27 <laughs> yeah i yeah. believe it was yesterday and that's um the new album from Hatebreed, which is titled uh-huh. weight of the false self and uh so i was kind of like going through when i was thinking of going through like i went through my list of top albums of the year and i was like yeah there's some cool ones in there but I'm trying to think of something that like really stood out and i really enjoy uh the Hatebreed album the art is really cool too and I don't know that the title just kind of made me stop and think like, oh, I kind of wonder what that means. Right. And that's a big thing too. Like lots of album titles, it's just like you know, brain pain. Okay, yeah. I kind of have an immediate thought of, you know, right. maybe how they came up with that or or whatever, right? But yeah. kind of like weight of the false self. Like it kind of uh, another one that came to mind, and uh, maybe I'll just give it a, a tie for the sake of it is uh, B. Wells' album, The Weight and the Cost. Mm. So yeah. I don't know if it was just the word weight in there, but again, just something that's like, oh, like. I don't know. It's just something, something different, something unique, something that kind of makes you think, you know, yeah. makes you kind of feel something instead of just like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that that's the title. Well, and be well. Um, I'm just trying to think: is there a track actually called "The Weight and the Cost"? Because I don't think there is. I could be wrong, but the reason I bring that up is because I feel. Um, oh no, there is. Yeah, there totally is a song called "The Weight and the Cost." Okay, so. Uh, I wanted to say, like, I like it when an album has a title that isn't from a song, but fits the theme of the album real well. And I was going to say that that is from a song, but at the same point, it fits the theme of the entire album really well. Yeah, uh, for sure. So before I, before I get into my pick, I thought I would share Justin from uh, the Punk Lotto podcast sent in his. Uh, and he said his favorite album title was from Canadian pop punk band Pup. And the album is called This Place Sucks Ass, which is a pretty great title. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I like it. My best album title of the year uh, was from Spanish Love Songs and their record Brave Faces Everyone uh, because, again, it is one that I think is very fitting of you know what, what that album is about. Um, I don't know that it's a concept album or anything like that, but it is definitely a title because obviously if it's a concept album, sure, the title is going to fit the record pretty well. Uh, this one, I think, just encompasses kind of what they deal with lyrically over the course of that record and... Uh, it's definitely going to help when the record is one that you enjoy. So I enjoyed this one yeah. and the title I thought it always stuck to, uh, like it does come from a song on the record for sure. And the way he sings the line, I think, um, definitely helps it stick. So let's get into, uh, uh this was something we were going to list a couple of, but, uh, this would be the best EP. Uh, so what is your pick for best EP? <laughs> Uh, so my best EP is also the one that I just touched on about artwork, because based on the artwork, I would not be intrigued on this one, and that's the EP from No Pressure, also titled No Pressure. Uh, so this is, I can't remember his name, but uh, the singer from um, the story so far, I believe that's right. Oh, Parker and, uh, Cannon. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, dang. I forgot about this record. It is oh, good. Oh, man. This, yeah, this this EP, yeah, it kind of came out came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I'm not even exactly sure where and when I heard of it. Maybe actually you sent it to me or, or we were talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and it's just like, I, I like the story so far. They're not like in my top 10, yeah. but this is like, this is exactly what I love. It just reminds me of of bands like Blink and Enema of the State. And I don't know, it just has such a cool nostalgia feel to it. Um, but it still sounds new and fresh, and it, yeah. it's it's really quick. I think it's four songs in like nine minutes or something. Yeah. But yeah, which is nice because then it's like oh, I'm just going to keep putting it on repeat, and because it's just so good. And you said, did you say the artwork from this record didn't sell you on it? No, it, it yeah, just okay. looks like kind of like some like random like yeah. indie hip hop <laughs> or something. It's just kind of like gr- new school graffiti ish, but not yeah. super. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, so. Th- my best EP of the year was actually one that I debated putting it on my top 10 list and then just decided not to because I'm like, oh, I think you can also consider this an EP. It's 22 songs, but it's only 20 minutes. <laughs> and so it's American yeah. Fail, their self-titled 
debut, which I mean, you can, I guess, debate because this is my question is when, when it comes to talking about EPs, uh, are we talking, you know, it's got to have a certain number of songs. Are we talking? It's got to, you know what I mean? Like, so this obviously has a ton of songs, but it's still only 20 minutes long. And so each song is less like averaging less than a minute. Uh, it's got some weird stuff going on as in, you know, obviously it feels like one song or maybe two songs kind of split up, but there's no real like chorus or refrain sort of thing, except for one line that gets repeated a yeah. couple of times. Uh, but I think it is a pretty cool record. Some other good ones that came out this year, of course, uh, Strike Anywhere had uh, their kind of like return with their EP. Uh, and then we had Fever 333. They put out a really good EP as well. There were a ton of EPs really this year. Yeah, uh, Goal- Wilmot, Guardrail, yeah, Thief Goalkeeper Club. Yeah, was a band, another one that I considered oh, up yeah. at the top of this list. Um, they put out a great one. And going back to artwork, I really appreciated how with the singles that they released ahead of time, it was all different artwork, but it was all clearly... Uh, like kind of themed and branded the same way that it was working towards the artwork for the EP is really neat. So um, yeah, let's get into uh, the best live stream of the year. What was your favorite? Well, yeah, like we had uh, texted, I only really technically watched two of them. And uh, I mean, now, I mean, even just in the last few weeks, I think there's been like probably almost 10 that I've seen announced, yeah. you know, that are coming up this month or in the coming months. And so I definitely think this is going to be, you know, kind of the new thing. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know kind of yet how many of those kind of all watch or whatever, but um, yeah, cool bands are doing that. So yeah, the one I went with was from August Burns Red. So I watched that one and the MXPX one, both very different, both really cool in their own way. Um, I went with the August Burns Red one because they were playing um, their favorite album of mine, which is their first full length um, from start to finish. And so that was awesome to get to see that. They brought their original singer back for a song and just the production was really good and um, it was really clear and the sound was awesome and the lights and it was just a really, really fun watch. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, You mentioned the MXPX one, which going back to some submissions, we got Jay Morello X bada bing X. He uh, he actually said MXPX was his favorite. He said, "Is that a real question?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I mean, it, it was really cool to see them and some of the songs they played. And yeah, um, it, it was really good. It wasn't my favorite either um, because I went with the Wonder Years and their Halloween show that they did, and that was just a ton of fun because obviously they played a set of songs as the wonder years. But then before that they played two, like five song sets. They split there. So they're a six person band and they split into two, three pieces and they played two separate blink One Eighty Two cover sets. And it was just like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It was so much fun. It was a good time. Uh, did they then, cover like the hits on that or what? Yeah. What, so what, what kind of songs did they play? Um, let's see if I can remember. I know while well, they, so on their encore, as a six piece they played they played damn it which was so entertaining too because uh right before it dan campbell said you know neither one of the bands played this because they wanted to make sure they all played different songs and they couldn't decide which band could play that song Uh. (laughs) because all the guitar players wanted to play it right like they have three guitar players in the band so they ended up doing this thing where um where they all played a different part of the riff <laughs> so it's it was so awesome like so oh, uh, on the intro fun. or whatever they all played a different piece of the riff and then it all they came together and it was so fantastic um what did they play they played all the small things i think they played what's my age again um they played first date i think um they played aliens exist uh they it was mainly most of the songs i want to say were off of like uh, Dude Ranch, Enema of the State, and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I think they kind of, okay. they may have had one or two outside of that, but I don't really remember. Um, but yeah, yeah it, was, cool. it was a really good stream. So let's move. This one, I had to do some thinking, but uh, met, messed, messed music video. What's the best music video of the year? <laughs> you trying to tell me it should be messed? Yeah. Yep, because I, it's, not. it's not. Yeah, this was this was a really hard one because I was like, well, man, in a year, like how many music videos come out? Like, how would I even go back and think of them all? And so I just kind of was going through my my list of um, kind of favorite albums from the year, not just the top 10, but all of them. And this is one that, that probably would have made, like, the top 15. And uh, so the song is called Aftermath, and 
It's the music video um, on the Ghost Inside's uh, newest album. So they're a band that, um, which we uh, we've mentioned them a few times. Yeah. Um, I think with, with songs, and so they went through this, you know, this huge um, traumatic accident as a band, and and uh, there was all this stuff that happened. So they're back this year with a new album, and so this was the first song that they released. It's actually the last song on the album, uh, so that's kind of interesting to to release the last song right. as yeah. as the first one. Um, but it's just a really powerful video. It's got lots of clips of the guys like. Um, like going through rehab and kind of reconnecting and re, you know, starting to to play instruments and stuff, um, post accident recovery and I don't know. It was just it was a not I wouldn't say many songs, especially in this genre, like really make me emotional. Um, but this was one that was like, oh man, like it's pretty intense as you watch it. And I mean, the song is awesome as well, and the video is really well done. And and so as soon as I remembered this one, I was like, okay, this is this is one that really stands out from the air. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so hard to think back on all the different music videos, because uh, there was what was the one you just sent one recently? I think where they like start the the beginning of the video is them. I can't remember the band, but they're playing, and then the guy like breaks his leg. Oh, um, landmarks! Yeah. Oh, that's right. And then yeah, then they start the video again, and he's in the wheelchair the whole time. That was pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the video for I think it's still blue by seaway which is just kind of weird and trippy the one i went with though is maybe the simplest of all of them and it's the song unbreakable by american arson uh i'm a sucker for music videos and i said this when interviewing them uh music videos where it's just the band in their jam space uh, yeah going at it right and the thing i like about that video too is the there's kind of like easter egg sort of things you know kind of throughout uh, throughout their jam space. They're all typically like Detroit sports stuff. They were the ones that I was picking up on. It was just kind of neat. And then they've got some show posters in the back. I don't know. It was just kind of fun to watch it. It's a great song. And then to watch the yeah. video, because you can almost like do it in in phases. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a great song. And the second time I watched it, I was probably paying more attention to their performance. And then the third time, I'm like, what's all in the background? So there's just like different things to sort of see. Uh, and it's a bit of a, a bit of a fun video. So um, yeah, yeah, I did think of that one as well. Yeah, it's is a great one. So let's move on to the biggest surprise of the year. Now you can really do this, take this any way you want. It could be a band that um, you know you'd never heard of, and they put out a record that you really loved. It could be a band that you disliked all their previous stuff, and they put out something you loved. It could even be a band that you love, and you just kind of went like, "Oh, I didn't expect them to go that direction," or "Oh, that wasn't really as good as I thought it would be." You know, just whatever surprised you this year. Yeah, yeah, and again, I went with just what came to mind because of talking with our our top ten, and that was Seaway's Big Vibe. So I had mentioned on on that episode that it's not that I'm not a fan of the band, but I just never particularly really go listen to them. They're not my favorite, you know, in that genre or for yeah. what it is. But this album, <clears throat> like I mentioned, on the top ten, just you know, it's got a bit different feel to it, and uh, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as corny to me as, as some of their last stuff, and and it's just super catchy, great songs, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just I always love like anytime I'm listening to a record where it's you know I don't really have any preconceived thoughts, like I don't think I listen to any of the singles, mm-hmm. and so I mind it's like what if this just like blows me away? What if it's just <laughs> something that I totally you know and you know maybe one out of ten that happens yeah and so this was one of those where i put it on just like the first song i was like okay i think i'm like really gonna like this and i'm really excited to hear more and and i love when music does that and so yeah. it's uh yeah always a nice surprise and and so yep good job seaway sorry to uh to slam you but <laughs> that's a good one um my biggest surprise of the year uh was a band i've already mentioned uh i actually before i get it i'll, I'll say i was surprised uh, by Neck Deep, all distortions are intentional because I'm not a big Neck Deep fan. And to be honest, like the first single for sure didn't really click with me. Um, where it is in the album, I, I like it a lot more now. But so like that record did actually surprise me. But the one I went with that was a bigger surprise was a band that I'd never heard of because it's their first record. Uh, that's American Fail. The first time I put it on, 
you know, I hit play and it took me a few minutes. All of a sudden, I'm like, what song am I on? And I look and I'm, you know, five, six tracks in. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I go back to the beginning and listen because they're all kind of like, like I mentioned before, put together as, you know, one, maybe two songs, however you want to break it up. It's So it's really neat. And lyrically, it's uh, it stands out because they got a lot to say and they definitely don't mince words. Um, and the fact that it's on drums, it's Yuri from MXPX, which is yeah. Mind, mind-boggling to me that um yeah so it's it's really cool it's a great a great little ep uh let me look let's see i'm gonna go back to jay morello he said the new suicide machines kind of caught me out of nowhere and surprisingly felt okay. like they never left which uh that's fair it's uh i wasn't a big fan of the record i just felt kind of beat over the head repeatedly lyrically it kind of got a little tiring for me but I mean, I can, I definitely get that. It feels like they didn't, they never went away. Like they didn't miss a beat. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, let's move on to yeah. best feature. This is interesting because I mean, when I, when I presented this to you, you know, I said best feature as in vocal guest appearance, uh, you know, music, like an instrumental like playing guitar or something, guest appearance. One of the submissions we got went a completely different direction. Um, so I did want to mention it, and that one is coming from, again, Justin over at the Punk Lotto podcast. Uh, he said, best feature, the summer bundle of Oceanator's Things I Never Said. It came with pogs and temporary tattoos. So that's like, that's kind of cool that he went that way with like, <laughs> oh, it was a, you know, something that was featured in a purchase. Um, and that's that sounds pretty rad. Uh, but uh, let's go with uh, what, we, what your favorite feature was this year on a record. Yeah. Well, again, there there was. Uh, I feel like there was quite a b- few good features this year. I don't know if it's just because bands are sitting around more, and so it's like, oh, right. this guy's probably available to to play on an album or whatever. Like even thinking yeah. of Yuri yeah, from MXPX or whatever. But right. uh, yeah, I ended up going with um, uh, a Silver Scene Silverstein song called "Burn It Down." It has Caleb Shomo from Beartooth. Um, I I mean, I just I love Caleb. I love his his vocals. I like his singing and screaming and. And it just it adds such a cool build up on this. So he kind of um, starts kind of more kind of sing talking and then and then screams it. I don't know. It, it just added a lot to the song. It's a really cool song, and uh, so that's the one that stuck out for me. My favorite feature of the year is uh, Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional in the latest Matt Cutshaw "Emo's Not Dead" video. <laughs> uh, that's not my actual pick, but have you watched any of those videos? I think I sent is you that, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, yeah, it's feeling emo might delete like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it felt emo might delete uh, is the title of every video. Basically, those videos are so they, I laugh so hard at them. Um, but anyways, they're getting ridiculous and fantastic. Uh, one that's worth mentioning, at least, it, it wasn't my pick, but the song Breathe by Knuckle Puck featuring Derek Sanders of Mayday Parade oh, yeah. uh, is a really good one. The best feature that I went with is probably the highlight on the album it comes off of, and that's Touche Amore. Uh, their album is Lament. The song is Limelight, and it features Andy Hull of Manchester. It actually says featuring Manchester Orchestra, so I'm not sure if more members of the band are on there in some way, shape or form or doing like a kind of gang backup vocal, but Andy Hall has um, like a straight up feature on that song as well, where he comes in and sings and just the, like, I guess the shift in um, Jeremy Bohm's vocals from Touche Amore to Andy Hall's, they're so different, but they work quite well together on the song and it definitely gives it, you know, kind of a different, a shift in the song and it's really awesome. So uh, if you haven't heard that one, I'd say go check it out. So let's move on to, I was debating whether or not we like move this to the end because it kind of feels like a big award, but we're just going to do it. That would be the best song of the year. What was your favorite song of 2020? Yeah. I just want to quickly touch on that last one, how I really do like on a, on a feature, especially vocally when it is something that's super different. So, I mean, Caleb's not, you know, that different from Shane from Silverstein. They both sing and scream. He's got a distinct voice, but yeah, yeah, I I definitely do love where a a vocal comes in. It's like, Oh wow. Like either that like sounds weird, but good. Or you just really know that it's a a different singer. So I always like that. Yeah. Best song. Like, I mean, this is probably the hardest one because it's, I mean, I think I've said before on, on podcasts where like I'm kind of a full album person. I don't yeah. really have necessarily favorite songs on albums. However, every time I've I've listened to this one, 
I always just think like this is just a really good song, and it actually comes off of the the, the deluxe version of "The World Is in Your Way" by Dragged Under that came out um, mid November, and it's uh, one of the, the bonus songs on it is called "Feel It." Why can't it be like the first time I lost myself, the purpose, the meaning I'm missing, the feeling. It's, it's definitely on the poppier side of um, of Dragged Under, but I don't know. Every time I listen, I just feel like it's just such a well-written song. It's super catchy. Um, I don't know. There's just lots of different parts to it that it's like, oh, like that was such a cool idea there, and mm-hmm. it just really adds a lot to the song. Yeah. Um, it's And it's funny when that happens with, like, a song that was originally left off the album. <laughs> you know, I'm well, assuming I, like if they're deluxe version, I don't know if they were songs that they originally cut from the album or if they were just a couple that they had written in between and were like, well, we need to put this out, but instead of a full album, let's just tack it onto this. Yeah, they were, it was actually a new song. So okay. they wrote two new songs and, and then a Christmas one. So mm. it's kind of weird to say best song of the year. Cause I mean, it's only really been out for, well, not even a month at this point. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, they released it before the album came out. So it's been out for about a month. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just one of those that, that really, I mean, there's lots of great songs, like I said, but this is one that it's like, man, like I can just tell that they put effort into it, you know, plus when you're adding a few new songs, you know, and for a band like them, I mean, they put out their album two months later, COVID hits, they didn't really get to tour. And so they re-release an album to kind of get it out there and then to also add new songs to keep people intrigued. Like you really want to put effort in instead of just like, oh, let's throw in some B-sides just because, you know, so there was lots of things that went into why I thought this was a That's great cool. song and a good idea. Yeah, my pick for best song of the year uh, is Four Year Strong's 17. <laughs>
this man. song, the moment I heard it, I was like, oh, I need to listen to that again. And it, it's one that, because I'm in a very similar way, like I don't typically just put a song on. Like I'll just put an album on and let it start at the beginning and play through, right? Whereas this one would be one where at times I'd be like, I really want to listen to that song. And it's all based around the guitar riff that plays in the chorus. Yeah. That's just so... It's unique. It's and it's very different. I feel like as something that's featured in a chorus. It's I don't know. It just stands out. And it's been like I said, a song from you know kind of the moment I heard it was uh, it was it was one of my favorites. Uh, Jay Morello said, yeah. "Got to go with Slick Shoes Whispers." It was just so long awaited and just hit me at the right time. Everything about it was perfect. Uh, and yeah. why don't we why don't we go back here to. Uh, to Justin from the Punk Lotto podcast. I just got to figure. Oh, uh, John K. Sampson's fan- Fantasy Baseball at the End of the World. Classic. Uh, nice. Great song. So let us move on uh, to the next song, which would be Best Cover Song. Yeah. Well, uh, and just to touch on, I almost did pick 17 2. That was one of the ones that popped into my head. That, that would have been same, funny. Same thoughts. So. <laughs> Such a good song. Yeah. I, I was trying. You know, and so I do say that, you know, kind of the first thing I thought of, but there were some where it's like, ah, maybe I should keep thinking because I already had them as winners for lots of things. And so I was trying right. to, yeah, but, and, uh, yeah. And that's the one thing. And it's funny because like a, as a, a bit of a spoiler, if you haven't listened to our top 10, I already gave you warning to listen to it. Uh, Four Year Strong's Brain Pain finished very high in both of our lists. But I don't think I have a pick from my number one pick for any of these. So it's kind of funny because Four Year Strong has come up a couple times now on this episode between the two of us. But um, yeah, yeah, let's move on to best cover song. Yeah, I went with um, Scott Sellers, who um, released an awesome album. So I picked a MXPX's Your Problem, My Emergency. It's one of my favorite albums off of life in general. I, I love what he adds to it and... Um, again, there's there's always lots of cover songs that get released in a year, like either for mainstream artists or groups that you know specifically do cover songs. And so I was trying to like think of like, oh, what's something that like means more to me than just oh, that was a cool version of the cover. Yeah. So not only is this a cool version, but the actual song means a lot to me. So that that was a pretty easy one to pick. It's a yeah, and I I figured between any of the submissions and us that Scott Sellers that record would come up somewhere. Um, so uh, I probably could have picked something off there, but I actually went with one that was kind of neat. Uh, so it's Millington. The band is Millington, and they covered Dashboard Confessionals' Vindicated. And this was fun. So Millington is like a ska punk band, so definitely putting a twist on, you know, on a an emo pop song of Dashboard Confessionals. And uh, and it was funny because I tweeted about it. I feel I forget where I tweeted it. If I just straight up sent a tweet, or if it was. I commented on, but anyways, tag dashboard confessional. And, and so he like retweeted it and whatever. And I was like, look at this, this is awesome. And so yeah, yeah. Millington was pretty pumped kind of about like that sort of connection happening. And I was like, ah, that's fun. But, um, yeah, it came off of, uh, I believe he called the EP brass emo volume one. So it's like ska covers of a bunch of different emo songs. It's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, let's just, I'm just going to pop back over to some of our submissions. I'm curious what some of the other best cover songs was, uh, Justin over I think at, Jay Morello also had Scott Sellers. I think so. Justin over at Punk Lotto the Podcast. The big wig song. Yeah. yeah, said Late Bloomer, Start Today. Uh, and then Best Cover Song, Jay Morello said Scott Sellers, Best of Me by Big Wig. Yeah, that whole album's just insane, but to my recollection, I've never heard a Big Wig cover of one of my favorite albums. So that's kind of cool. So let's move on to our next award, which would be the Best Opening Track. What do you got? Oh, man. Yeah, th- this is a tough one because... Again, like I've said lots, I I love an opening track. It's mm-hmm. still, even with streaming, even with all that, the opening track is what I'm always kind of excited just to see if it's going to catch my attention. I think I mentioned with, with the Slick Shoes album and their opening track on there that um, with Whispers, which also got mentioned in this episode. Um, yeah, and so I went with, uh, this was number um, five on my top list, so giving away another spoiler. That was on Lightworkers album Fury by Failure. The song is called Empire, and it's just a monster of an opening song. It's just super like heavy and melodic, and um, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those that every time I put it on, it's like, oh man, I can't wait to listen to the rest of this album. Yeah, uh, best opener that I went with is coming off an album that's been all over our list. It's Four Years Strong, and the song It's Cool. I can't think of a you know like an opening song this year that just like 
I guess, sucked me in so much right away. Uh, yeah. Because there have been a lot of great albums this year, but I, I can't, like, off the top of my head of the picks that I made, like, any albums that are just like, oh, that opener is doing something, whereas this one uh, 100% is. It's so good. Uh, I talked about it briefly in our top 10 episode because it was the song that I kind of picked. Um, and, you know, it's just like, it's different from the rest of the record, but fits so nice. It works really well. So uh, yeah, let's I get almost in. picked that one too. There you go. Let's get into uh, best closing track. Yeah, so th- this was an interesting one too. Um, like you mentioned, I wasn't going to go listen to the last song. <laughs> and like lots of times... You know, last songs kind of get forgotten. You know, even if you listen to the whole album, you know, your brain's already taken in a whole album's worth of songs. And so, you know, sometimes it just kind of glazes over that. Um, But this is one that every time I listen to the album on the closing track, I always go look at the list. Or the first few times I was like, oh, like, where is this in the track listing? It's like, oh, this is the closer. And uh, it's another metal band called Bury Tomorrow. Uh, The song is called Dark Infinite. And uh, it's just got this really cool breakdown in it that kind of carries the song through and just something about it just always grabs me and just kind of keeps me intrigued. And it's just this kind of really dark, haunting sound. And I don't know, it's I, I love it. Yeah. Um, the closing track that I went with was The Casket Lottery, uh, the song Sad Dream. I love a closing song that has kind of like a longer instrumental section especially if that's not the case on songs throughout the rest of the record um and so this one has it especially if it's like a a, an instrumental section that kind of feels like it's bringing things to a close it doesn't necessarily have to end with that but like it's part of this long you know um this long drawn out song or whatever and so sad dream does that uh it also makes me want to immediately turn around and put it on this is a record uh this is a record that short songs for end times that I don't actually like the opener as an opener. And when I wrote my review for it, I kind of like said that like the only bone to pick I really have with this record is the song that opens it up. So the fact that I can like go through the, like through the album, listen to the closer and then go back and still be okay. Listening to that opener is I, th- I think kind of a testament to how good I think the closer is, but um, let's, I just want to hop over and see what, uh, what are some other closing tracks? Um, Jay Morello said Frank Turner falling in love by no effects. So that was off the, uh, well, uh split EP they did or something. Yeah. Once Covering. I, yeah. Once I heard fat Mike talk about in an interview about how that's exactly how he meant to write that song, but just couldn't do it. And now him and his ex-wife cried after hearing it just made it so perfect. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I went through that, e- that split. It was, uh, it was, it was, I, I liked it. Um, I can't I'm trying to think of the name of it, but anyway. I love Frank Turner. Frank Turner is pretty, pretty fantastic. Let's get into best throwback. So with this kind of when I brought it up, I mean, it's another kind of open-ended one. Um, but we do, uh, I was going to say you, you could do it as like a band that's back sort of thing, but we do have a category specifically for that. So I was thinking more about, you know, like just different influences that are definite throwbacks. Um, so what's your, your best throwback of the year? Well, this is one I mentioned already and maybe an obvious choice, which is Scott Sellers' album, Influences. Um, I mean, yeah, I kind of went through all the albums from the year trying to see if any of those, like, you know, there was a few that I could have fit in there too, but this was just such an obvious one. So many um, songs from that era, I guess maybe not necessarily the 80s, it would be more, more so 90s. But what I loved about this album is that like he had released a few of these covers like maybe even a year ago or so, just kind of one-offs. And then he started kind of releasing them a bit more like once a week you'd see a new one. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh man, like why doesn't this guy just do a whole album of covers already instead of just <laughs> posting? And then it was like the week later he released the whole the yeah. whole album, which just made yeah. my day. And I love every song on there, all the bands. And um, yeah, this was, was an easy winner. There was a few others that I was like, oh, I've listened to some songs from this and that, but yeah. I mean, I've listened to this album, I don't know, probably a dozen times already. So it, yeah. it had to take the win. There you go. Um, yeah, my best throwback, I went with, uh, something that was more of a sound, uh, and that was bearings in the song. I feel it all. It's very like nineties pop rock sort of thing, especially on the chorus. Like you just hear it hit and it's. I had to. I had to go with it. But uh, so let's move on to uh, best release from a long time band. So bands that 
I mean, I guess could still be going or bands that were, you know, kind of on hiatus or whatever for a while and, and stormed back with a great record. Yeah, well, you can you can probably guess which mine is, which is rotation frequency from Slick Shoes. Um, yeah, it was it was just a no brainer for that. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of bands that have been around for a long time that um, have released you know albums this year. But yeah. I mean, yeah, this there was just so much anticipation for this. You know, it fits into so many categories, and so again, it was just an easy easy pick for me. I mean, in a similar way, I didn't pick Slick Shoes, but. I mean, it was kind of, we, we had to go in a sense by our lists because both of these records made, well, that one made both of our lists and then this one finished higher on my list. So it's the Casket Lottery, uh, short songs for end times. I was not, I mean, when, when they announced it and I heard the first single, I was like, all right, you know, I don't think the Casket Lottery are a band that necessarily hits you straight up with a song that's just like, oh, dang, this is really good and catchy. It's more of, they've always been, at least for me, they've always been a band that's just like, you kind of grow over time. And, you know, as, you, as you're listening, the record kind of gets better and better. And that's that's definitely the case for me with anything I've ever owned and really gotten into by them. And, and Short Songs for End Times is right up there with it. Um, how about this? This might be in a different spot on your list because I threw it on here kind of last minute, but your favorite non-punk album. Yeah, this was, I mean, kind of funny because I I probably check out, you know, a decent amount of non-punk albums. There was I was chatting with a friend the other day and he mentioned one and uh, I'm blanking on the title of it. It's just kind of a one guy um and he sent it and I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty cool." Like, but and there was a handful of albums like that, but to me like, "Oh, yeah, this is pretty cool." It isn't really favorite, you know, cuz I'm not going to listen to it from start to finish. And so, uh, yeah, the, what I went with was uh, Let Me Roar from Northcote. Again, maybe an obvious choice. We mentioned a few times, you know, it, it's one that I've listened to, you know, at least a handful of times from start to finish and and always love it. And, and it's funny because I didn't, I still kind of associate that like within the punk genre, even though right. it's not, maybe just because of Matt and yeah. his past or whatever. But um, so then like I sent that text and I was like, oh yeah, I guess Northcote would would be it so well and he anytime i've seen him he's been touring with bands that also have that connection to to the punk world right so i think it's it's fair um but at the same point it's definitely not a punk record right so yeah uh, and my my very slow punk record yeah my favorite non-punk <laughs> album is one that i also think kind of like it gets a lot of attention within you know kind of somewhat maybe more like the emo world than the punk world but uh also a lot of attention outside is phoebe bridgers and her album punisher uh i just love i mean phoebe bridgers is an artist for me that if i just want to like mellow out and chill out i'll put her on and every time it's just like there's so much to kind of take in that's really really nice to listen to and i can already tell you that we do this again next year my favorite album um is probably going to be uh, not well, not Phoebe Bridgers. She doesn't have another one coming out. But Julian Baker, she's got a new record coming out. Who I, you know, they obviously played together in Boy Genius and stuff. But I feel like they're just like go tos for me if I just want to kind of, like I said, mellow out. So I put that one there because now we're going to jump into podcast territory. Um, and so I wanted to hear your favorite music podcast. Oh, this this was probably one of the the hardest categories to pick. I. I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I mean, especially this year we've connected with a lot of other ones and made friends and, you know, guested on or had them on or whatever. And, and, uh, so, but I, I wanted to pick one where it wasn't just based on like friendship, but one that I actually right. have listened to a lot. Um, and I mean, lots of them, I listen to all of them. I mean, you know, like uh, a podcast like label that I think Jay Morello, uh, mentions, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I mean, is, is a favorite, but there's there's enough on those ones where I mean I listen to every episode, but there's definitely ones where I'm not like as a f- big fan of the band. I like the podcast, so I listen. But um, so what I went with was uh, the Talking Records podcast. Mm. So these are our friend Jed and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, Craig. <laughs> is that is that the other guy that he does it with? I mean, he has lots of guests on and stuff, but yeah. I just I mean. I really like really like uh, the guys on there. They're just like really soft spoken, and they're they're big music fans. And it comes out in the way that that they do interviews and talk about albums. They um, they cover a lot, 
a lot of bands and albums that that I'm really interested in, and uh, I don't know. I just I really enjoy listening to them talk, and right. and it's been cool to connect with them uh, more this year as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Like I'll, I kind of like go in and out here and there. I more see like episodes that maybe catch my eye or podcast ideas that catch my eye. Uh, so like some that you know I I kind of enjoyed this year. Like a big one is always like the Washed Up Emo podcast, but they're kind of like, they've been around, they get, you know, a ton of great guests. So that's sort of what I look at. Or even like the One Life, One Chance podcast with Toby Morris. Like he gets a ton of great Yeah, that guests. was another one I thought of. Um, and again, you mentioned, you know, like kind of like friends and whatever, like Jimmy Eat Pod. They're, they're a fun one to listen to when, uh, when I'm just like wanting to put something on. One that kind of surprised me, mainly because I'm not really a big fan of the band. Like I enjoy the band. Uh, but I've only ever really listened to one record and owned one record of theirs, um, but have kind of jumped in a little bit with like a song by song podcast would be unscripted moments, a podcast about propaganda. Uh, and so like most of the time, you know, they'll be like, okay, this song is what we're talking about. I'm like, I got to go listen to it because I have no idea what it sounds like. Right. So that's kind of fun, but, uh, it's been a good one. Uh, that I've kind of really dug into probably the most out of podcasts this year would be that one. Um, yeah, yeah what, what I about- haven't actually got to that one yet. I I added that one. I think I actually sent that one to you. Um, Maybe I remember seeing. But yeah, I just I would say I do remember seeing their Twitter account come up and followed them on okay. Twitter with like before, and then finally I was like, I should probably listen to this. Uh, and so yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. But I think because like Propaganda is like a band that there's so much lyrical depth with a lot of their stuff that that's fun to listen to and sort of break that down. Right. So, um, and considering they're a Canadian band and write or wrote a lot about Canadian issues, it's kind of fun to listen to a couple of Americans try to break some of that down. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely definitely do want to get to it. So what about your favorite music podcast episode? Yeah. Again, yeah. (laughs) Just, the one when you the time you were on this talking is the most, records, the most I've had Facebook. to rack my <laughs> yeah that's the one that where I got to hear myself <laughs> sound like an idiot no uh, yeah this is one again there was there was lots and I even have some in my downloaded queue right now that could right. have made it however I didn't actually get to listen to them yet so there was one like uh, there's a new episode with Trevor Keith on the One Life One Chance podcast oh yeah and I was like oh that's gonna be a good one I read the description and. Um, but I just haven't even gotten to listening to it yet. Um, so I went with uh, another podcast I really enjoy, which is Krista Makes, who plays mm. in Less Than Jake. Yep. He started a podcast this year where he talks with people about a specific song, typically their like their breakout or a hit song kind of thing. And, and yeah. he's had lots of really cool guests on there. Uh, but the one I went with was Mark Hoppus talking about What's My Age Again. It was just a really interesting listen, lots of funny stories and anecdotes and I mean, yeah. that one was especially good because, I mean, it's a song I've been listening to for 20, whatever, however many years, since 96 or whenever that album came out. Yeah. Or 99, right? I think. And with the state came out 99? Yeah. 90, yeah. 96. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so 21, 21 mm-hmm. years I've been listening to this song. And, uh, and I mean, it's not necessarily a song that has a lot of lyrical depth or anything, right. but it's always cool just hearing the stories of like, you know, was just, was this just like a random like joke riff or was it going to be a throwaway song or, you know, there's always yeah. so many things and, and on this episode or not on this episode on this podcast, there are a lot of songs where it's like, this was basically almost didn't make the record. And then it turns out to be this hit song that does so yeah. much for the band. And, I've, and so, I mean, this was, this was one of those songs for sure. Yeah, I've only listened to one episode of that show and I'm trying to think if it was that one, I think it may have been, um, <laughs> because of, yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh yeah. But I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've only listened to one episode of the Krista makes podcast, but, uh, I like the idea of it again. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. So like my, it's funny. Cause like as hosting a podcast, I feel like my input on picking like favorite podcasts is pretty like limited. Cause I don't, don't do a ton, but my favorite music podcast episode, another one I wanted to mention, um, uh, unscripted moments. They had Sammy Zane on and interviewed him and, he, so Sami Zayn is a professional wrestler. I'm a fan of wrestling, and specifically I've always enjoyed Sami Zayn because I know, like, A, that he grew up and still listens to punk rock uh, and a lot of ska sort of stuff, and he does a lot of great, like, um, 
just like social justice sort of work. And so I was, I was pumped to hear that interview. It was, it was a fun listen. But I think the episode I'm going to go with is an episode of the One Life, One Chance podcast. And it's when uh, Toby Morse interviews Chino Marino of Deftone. No, that episode, I, I tried listening to that episode. <laughs> but he's, uh, uh, Chino's chewing gum the whole time. And oh, so he like, s- like smacks into the microphone. All- I was like, it was so annoying. But no, from the One Life, One Chance podcast, Toby's interview uh, with Chris Carabo of Dashboard Confessional. I think it was I a was two- going to guess that one. Yeah, a two-parter. Yeah, I it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I listened to that one this summer. I do really enjoy, I've listened to a number of interviews with Chris. I just always feel like he's just got a ton to say. And it's always, it's always kind of surprising. Like, because he's like, I guess, you know, the music he makes, knowing, like, it, I just love hearing him talk about you know, like growing up and coming through the hardcore scene when he's like yeah. this guy who got huge, you know, with a song on the Spider-Man two soundtrack that's, you know, was all over. It's just, so it's just kind of fun to hear that. But, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a good interview. Uh, what about, this is the final category we're going to get into. And this is where we pat ourselves on the back a little bit, or we just say this was the most fun we had. What was your favorite interview this year that you got to do? Do you have a guess? You did so many. <laughs> you can probably guess mine, but I'm going to say uh, when you interviewed Jackson and Jeremiah of Slick Shoes. Yeah, you, you know me too well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this, I mean, yeah, huge shout out to to all the awesome people I've been able to, to talk to this year. It's been so much yeah. fun. I'm looking forward to, to another year of it. And so again, it was a difficult one. But the reason I picked that is... Um, so like, it's kind of, you know, uh, a three-way tie slash however many episodes we did with them or reviews so and, just, yeah. but it, it was just so fun. Yeah. Right. So I had them, uh, did one with Joe, did one with Steve Kravak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so fun getting to dive into like one of my all-time favorite bands yeah. and uh, getting to hear from them and. Yeah, just just so much kind of uh, 16-year-old geeky me (laughs) getting to, you know, have the opportunity to think of whatever I wanted to ask them, you know, go through their albums, you know, talk with Joe about drums, talk with Steve about producing. Um, It just covered so much ground of of questions I've had for so long. And so it was just, you know, like a dream come true to just to get to spend time with those guys and and ask them whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. And and just like how... How many years, literally, that was in the making? I feel, or at least, at least a year. When I, I feel like we had been back and forth with them forever uh, about yeah. doing that interview. Um, but yeah, my can you guess what my favorite interview that I did this year was? Uh, trying to, I, I, I should did, have. Uh, I did way less. Should have gone through them all. <laughs> yeah, I might. I might need a hint. I, all I can think of is the last one you did with uh, with Mike. Um, oh, Mike Henneberger. I was like, well, Mike. Who's yeah, Mike? yeah. Yeah. Those were fun too. I'll, I'll give you, because I yeah. did interview two different authors and it was it was neither of them. Those were fun though. Um, okay. Because we just went down rabbit holes. But uh, I, I interviewed a guy who put out one of my favorite records this year. He oh, also, was it Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl? No. He also had a hand oh. in had a hand in creating some of the all-time great records. Oh, Brian McTurnan. Yeah, Brian McTurnan. That was Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was man. and yes. it was so much I fun because I remembered. Yeah, because like when that interview happened, I was also in the middle of reading some books that were discussing a lot of what, you know, happened in the DC hardcore scene in the in the 80s and whatever which he came out of uh, so that was cool. And then, as I mentioned, he put out a record this year that I absolutely loved. So that was cool to talk about that. Plus, yeah. he's worked on so many records, some of which have been some of my favorites over the years. So that was cool to talk about those too. So it was just like this sort of all-encompassing. And it came out of nowhere. Like it was literally, I posted about the Be Well record and how much I was enjoying it. And then someone commented on it saying like, Oh, because then I think like Be Well commented said, oh, thanks or whatever. And then some one of our followers commented and said, get him on the show. And then it just turned into this thing where next thing you know, I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, all right. And uh, yeah, here we go. And it was funny because 
as a band be well. I mean, I, I was unfamiliar with them and didn't look into who the members were. And then when I did, I was like, Oh shoot, like this interview has got a lot of stuff we could talk about. This could be fun. So, uh, yeah, yeah it was, it yeah, was that a was a really, that was a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that'll wrap up the first ever guppies, uh, which I think is a great way to wrap up what was, you know, like I said, 2020 was a crazy year, uh, on a, in a number of ways, but it was a ton of fun on the podcast, uh, all sorts of, as we mentioned, great interviews, great music that we got to talk about, uh, made a bunch of great friends. So if in any way you helped put together one of these episodes, whether, you know, you released an album that we talked about, uh, whether you were on any of the episodes, you were an interview, uh, or you just shared it, talked about it, joined us on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And we're our friends. Um, Thank you for a fantastic year. And speaking of Instagram and Twitter, uh, go follow us at Growing Punk Pod. You can find us uh, on our website too, growingpunkpod.com. You'll find the episodes there. We've got reviews that we do there as well. Uh, lists, just different things. It's uh, Some of the stuff doesn't get talked about on the podcast, but it's on the website. So growingpunkpod.com. Um, and yeah, wherever you're listening to this, rate it, review it, please share it with your friends. Let's make 2021 an even better year. This was a good one. Let's keep it going. So... Uh, anything you want to add before we wrap up 2020, Aaron? If, if you are mentioned in this, email our management for your prize. Yeah, yeah. Which is you. Yeah. Which is you. <laughs> you are the prize. So, anyways, that will do it for this yeah. one. So, again, thanks again and uh, goodbye. See ya. The busiest fever award goes to Phyllis Lappin. Yeah. Way to go, Phyllis. Nice work. Her usual. Who says Bushy is beaver? <laughs> <laughs>